Please stand if you're able as we show our reverence to the Lord and to his word as we listen to the scriptural lessons for this morning. Our Old Testament reading comes from the prophecy of Isaiah, chapter 62, verses 10 through 12. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Our New Testament reading is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble, mounted on a donkey of a colt, the fool, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds went before him, and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up. Who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. This is the word of God. You may be seated. That was given a slight feedback. <laughs> See, that's what Jeff would have done. <laughs> oh, well, good morning. Let's pray as we hear God's word. 
Uh, Lord Jesus, we're grateful to you for your word and that it is alive. And we're grateful, Lord, for the impact that it has on us. Lord, Lord, we pray that you would help us as your people to hear. And Lord, and enable us in our hearts to, to respond to you with the, the praises and the glory that's due your name. Lord, we are grateful to you for every word that you have spoken. It is indeed, Lord, more than the bread we eat. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for it's in your name we pray. Amen. The title of the sermon today is, Who is This? And the question comes when Jesus is riding into the city on, on a baby donkey amid the shouts of Hosanna to the son of David. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city is, is stirred, and it's a word that, that, means, that means to rock to quake with fear. And their, world, their world was rocked, but they didn't know who it is that was coming into the city. And so they asked, who is this? You know, when you see something in the distance and you can't quite make out what it is, you become curious and you want to see it up close, but you have to keep moving forward to see what it is. I recall as a child a drive during the night to Denver, Colorado from Omaha, Nebraska and seeing lights in the sky I thought they were stars but the closer we got to them I could see that it wasn't stars at all and it wasn't the sky that I was looking at but it was they were lights from homes on the side of a massive mountain. Delawareans you can relate. Now, I was, I was looking at, at a mountain the whole time, but it was only as we got closer that I could see it for what it was. And as we're making our journey to the cross with Paul Tripp during Lent, the cross of Jesus Christ is getting bigger. And who he is should be growing larger, and we gain a greater Love for our Lord as we let the text answer the question, who is this? Christ should be getting bigger on this journey uh, to the cross. The answer the scripture gives to us, it is showing us who this is, who is this, is Christ. He is majestic. He's meek. He's mighty to save. But he's misunderstood since he's multifaceted. So let's think, about, let's think about this on this Palm Sunday. Look at verses 1 through 5 of Matthew 21. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, the mount, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. Well, the first thing we see about Jesus is that he has majesty. He is king. 
He has sovereign knowledge. He knows the village ahead of the disciples. He knows the donkey and its colt. He knows the owner. He knows how the owner might respond. And so he knows what to tell him. That if anyone has something to say about them taking the donkey, tell them the Lord needs them. That word the Lord is a term reserved for God, who is the Lord. Curios. He's, he is, he is, it's, just, it's equivalent of the Old Testament Jehovah, Yahweh. He's the master, the ultimate master. He's the owner of everything. He's over everything in the story, over the donkeys and their owner. He is Lord. He exercises his majestic power over the fulfillment of past prophecies. That quote that Matthew cites is from Isaiah 62, verse 11, and, and also from Zechariah 9, 9, and Matthew puts the two together. You know, Isaiah 62, 11 says, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Zechariah 9, 9 says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. See, Matthew sees these two passages going together as it applies to Jesus coming into Jerusalem. But Jesus is run, he's, ruling, he's ruling over the past prophecy and its fulfillment. And as king, he also reigns over the present fulfillment too. Because look at the verse 6 says, The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. See, Jesus is the king to be obeyed. There's no argument from those to he commands when Jesus commands, you can't help but respond. Lazarus, come forth. What else could he do? You say he was dead. No, Jesus called him to life. And he came forward. What if, when Jesus commands, you can't help but respond. He owns everything. There's nothing that can be held back from him when he wants it. See, the word of God being presently fulfilled in your life, Jesus has command over that as well. Hallelujah. Yeah, and see, if you don't know how, the importance of that, you need to read the Bible. Get one from the Gideons. Yeah, see, you, yeah, this, Jesus is in command over, over what is presently being fulfilled in your life. Jesus has command over that. See, this is Jesus taking on the complete and unique role he has in the salvation of his people. He's the Messiah that Jerusalem has been waiting for. He's their king. That's what the text says. Your king, Jewish like you, predestined, the son of David, predestined to reign on David's throne forever. And they're commanded to behold, he's coming to you. Stop, look, pay attention. Consider who it is that's coming to you. He has power over everything and, and everyone. 
He has power to fulfill the word of God in, in the past and to make it alive in his people in the present. The city is his. The circumstances are about him. And he is in complete control. Yet, he submits to God's will, which means not only is he majestic, but he is also meek. Look at verses 5 through 7. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. There it is. Deity on a donkey. When a king comes to town, he's not expected to be on a beast of burden. So what's going on here? Yeah, you know, so, so Putin, he comes to town. Look at what he does. Jesus is quite different. Yet perhaps the most befuddling thing about who Jesus is, is that he is the humble king. And see, if you, want to, if you want to know what the heart of Jesus is like, listen to the text. He is humble. But what is that, what is that humbleness like? Look at verse 28 and 29 of Matthew 11 as Jesus describes himself. He says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble. It's the word lowly. It's the same word. I'm, I'm gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Isn't it good news this morning, brothers and sisters, to hear that the heart of our Lord at his very heart is gentleness and humility. He's gentle and humble. When you ask my, well, how humble is he? Well, he said this in, earlier in, in Matthew chapter 20, verse 27 to 28. Whoever would be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Paul would tell us what was in the mind of the humble king in, first, in, in Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, through, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he, helped, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. You see what was in Jesus' mind? He was, his mind was that of being humble. If the, and if the humble king is puzzling to you, it's on purpose. <laughs> this is on purpose. He's not what you'd expect him to be. He's not like any other man. Because, you know, with, with power like that, why doesn't he embrace the fame? You know, why doesn't he, in the words of Lady Gaga, live for the applause? <laughs> See, Paul Tripp, Paul Tripp answers this. He says this Jesus riding on the colt of a donkey is not playing to the crowd. He is the king of kings, the lord of lords. 
He has come to sit on the throne of David to set up a kingdom that will have no end. Yet this moment is not about him. This moment is about one thing, the redemptive mission that was the reason for his birth, his righteous life, everything he taught, every miraculous act, his final trip to Jerusalem, his trial, his suffering, his death, and his resurrection. He did not come to collect followers who would deliver fame and power to him. He came to seek and to save the lost. And to do that, he had to be willing to humble himself, suffer, and die. The greatest man who ever lived was also the humblest man who ever lived. Hallelujah. This is, this is Jesus. This is Jesus Christ. This is who he is. Jesus didn't lose sight of why he came. Who is this? He's the Christ. Majestic and meek. But don't mistake his meekness for weakness because he is mighty to save. Look at verses 8 and 9 of Matthew 21. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and, and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And so the question is asked, who is this? He is Jesus, who is majestic, meek, and mighty to save. That's who he is. The humblest who is able to save to the highest. Hallelujah. You see, these are exclamations worthy of God alone. Hosanna means to save, save now. So they're asking for deliverance. And, and in, in their history, they had scripture. The Jews had scriptures reminding them of how the Lord is mighty to save. That he delivered the fa their fathers from Egypt. Brought them, brought them back out of captivity. Sent them into captivity. Brought them back out of captivity from Babylon. And then not only did he bring them back from Babylon, he had a pagan king fund the rebuilding of the temple. Is he mighty to save? Yes, he is. Yeah, they're not wrong about what they're saying about Jesus. Yeah, he's mighty to save. Hosanna in the highest. Not only can he save, but once he saves you, he can make your enemies your footstool. They're made to serve you. That's how mighty he is. Hosanna in the highest. They had seen Jesus' power, his show of power. Just before, just before this whole scene, what did he do? He, well, he healed two blind men in, in Matthew 20. You know, and this, what we're looking at here beginning on Palm Sunday is the last week of Jesus' life. And the crowd that was with them, you know why they were there? John 12 tells us. Because they had seen Jesus' power raising Lazarus from the dead. Yeah, so isn't this, isn't this the son of David, the Messiah, mighty to save? Oh, more than, more than they know. That Jesus' majesty and his meekness and might for salvation wasn't just for their political difference, their, their political deliverance. Although that was included. Yes, that is, that is included for sure. And boy, yeah, thank the Lord for that. That in, that, that in the salvation that he provides for us, yeah, there is political deliverance as well from the political oppression and suppression that, that's taking place. Yeah, all of that is included, but it's also for cleansing, 
God's people from their sins. See, Jesus, who he is, is so often misunderstood. Look at verse 10 and 11. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. See, they're stirred up, the text says. They're rocked because they misunderstand Jesus. They misunderstand. They don't know. God, see, God's plans and, and purposes are lost to the city and people who miss his majesty and his meekness and, and his might to save. You see, the, 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 these texts and what Jesus is doing is about restoring and rebuilding Zion. And, and when the scripture, when the prophets talk about Zion, Jerusalem, Zion and Jerusalem, it's, they're, they're, they're synonyms in, 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 the, in, the, in the prophecy, in the word of God. So, so when, when, when these prophets are talking about Zion and, and Jerusalem, it's not just talking about the brick and mortar. It's talking about the people. These are God's people. The new Jerusalem, the, this new Zion that's coming down, this, these are, this is the people of God. So, so he's talking about the people, not merely, not merely the streets and the buildings. So this is what Zechariah and Isaiah had prophesied. But the people thought the kingdom was going to appear right then and now. See, Luke 19 is a parallel passage to Matthew 21. In Luke 19, verse 11, it says that this is exactly what the people thought. They thought that the, that the kingdom would appear at once, that it was going to happen right now. And so what they're crying with the Hosannas, you know, they were wanting relief. They were running relief from the oppressive Roman government. And so, the, and they also were being, they wanted relief from the religious oppression of the Pharisees and, and the Sadducees. You see, these, these, are, these are groups who had forgotten the majesty of God. They've forgotten the meekness of, of our God. Their memory lapse led them to minimize the Messiah's might to save. They had forgotten that Hosanna had another meaning. So, so not only is it to save us now, but it means be propitious. Be propitious. Be propitious to us. It's a cry for covering. Cover us. God's own people had lost sight of the repeated invitations from God who wanted to cover them. Invitations like Isaiah 118. Come now. Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be like snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Or the other great invitation, Isaiah 55, verse 1. Come, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. And he who has no money, come, buy and eat. Come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. You see, the salvation they were crying for, it's not the same as what, what Jesus was offering at that moment. They wanted their oppressors overthrown. They thought that they were, they were going to, to see a political power move by the Messiah. So Hosanna, save now, meant crush Rome. But what about, but what about him made them think that he was going to acquiesce to their shouts. Certain, the, the oddity of a king riding upon a donkey 
doesn't seem to match the cries. What are you going to conquer with? I mean, it's a donkey. We use these things to, to, carry, to carry our sacks around. You know, what, are you, what, are you, what are you conquering with? See, the, the whole scene had to look a little baffling. They misunderstood Jesus. They had the right words. They were directing him to the right person, the Messiah, weren't they? But here's what we can learn. We can know that the right words, you can have the right words, you can know the right words, but, but not have God's purposes in mind. Isn't that true? You can, you can know what the Bible says, and you can, you can even quote it, but, but you don't have God's purposes in mind. And that's what, that's what happened here. They, they have the right words, but they've forgotten what they mean. It's, it's what James would say in, in James 4.3. You ask, and you do not receive, because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. See, prayer works when you understand what God wants. And that means, here is, as we're in this context, that means, that means turning to Jesus as he is. Prayer works as you, and when you know what God wants and you're agreeing with his purpose and his plan, yeah, then you, then you can pray and watch God work. You see, Jesus, he's offering a salvation that includes cleansing our sins and bringing in people from the ends of the earth, is what, this, is what the text tells us. He's renewing everything. Isaiah 62, 10 and 11 said this, go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people, build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, get the obstacles out of the way, lift up a signal over the people's. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. Say to the daughter of Zion, behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Yeah, this is, this is not just a message for, for one person. Or not, it's not just a message for, for, for Jews. It is a message for the whole world. It was a message that the Zion it's what God is rebuilding, the people of God are from every nation, people and, and tribe and, and language. And all of this rocked the city. Yeah, they didn't know what to make of Jesus. Who is this? But don't misunderstand who he is. He is the Messiah. He is God. He is David's royal son who will reign forever. He's the signal lifted up of Isaiah 62.10. He's the signal lifted up over the peoples. He's the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the suffering servant of Isaiah 53 who makes his soul a guilt offering. He's majestic. He's meek. Mighty to save. Misunderstood, which makes him multifaceted. Look at verses 10 and 11. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was, was stirred up saying, who is this? And the crowd said, this is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Yeah, see, Jesus is multifaceted. You say, what does that mean? Well, it just means that Jesus is complex. Yeah, he's, he's complex. And we see this in the crowd's attempt to answer the question. So the whole city's afraid. They're rock. They're like, what, what in the world? Who is this? 
well, this is Jesus. So he's the prophet from, from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, and now that really sounds honorific, doesn't it? You know, well, but, but you remember, remember what, what the scriptures, what, what is said. You know, when Philip, when they tell him who, about Jesus, say, oh, yeah, he's from Nazareth. What, what does Philip say? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? So it's not as honorific as it sounds. Yeah, yeah, so he is, he's a prophet, he's from Nazareth, yeah, but that's the wrong side of the tracks. He's from the hood. What? So how can, how can, how can he be? So, yeah, he's, he's, that's not honorific. Yeah, yeah, he's king of, but all of this is, makes up who Jesus is, that he is the king of kings, Yet his kingdom is not of this world. He was crucified in weakness, yet he is mighty to save. He is the light of the world, yet the darkness could not comprehend him. Through his death, he gives life to all who believe. Jesus is multifaceted. You can try, you can try to figure him out. But there's always more to him that you, that, that you, that you have to learn. And you will, you will never get to, you say, Pastor, you shouldn't say that. Never say never. No, you will never get to the place where you can say, I know all about Christ. He fills up eternity. If he fills up eternity, he fills up infinity, what can you hold in your finite mind? Yeah, you will never, you will never be able to figure him out. So are you getting a clear picture of who this is on Palm Sunday? See, if not, you need to move closer. You need, you need, you need to come closer so that he becomes bigger. Does, does, Jesus, does Jesus rock your world? Yeah, if, if he isn't, then he's still too small in your vision. In the, in the mountain that, that, that fills up everything, who he is, you need to come closer. Because just as he rode into Jerusalem, he rides in, into our life and, and our time. See, let me put it to you this way. Look, see, your heart, your heart and my heart, you know, they're, they're, they're like a city. Yeah, our hearts, we have foundations, you know, and, and, and in our hearts, we build, we build walls. We have, we, have, we have rules in our hearts and policies, and sometimes you don't share those rules and those policies, and people ups, get upset. You get upset with people because they don't know that they're breaking your rules. Yeah, they don't know that, they, that, they, that they've upset your policies. And all of, you have these rules and these policies because you're on a pursuit for peace in, in, your, your, in, in, your, in your personal little city. But if you, don't have, if you don't have Jesus the way he is, your little city of a life is not going to be settled. It's not going to be settled. You know, he, he will stir your city. The crowd of your, your emotions, if I can press the analogy, the analogy, the crowd of your emotions are as fickle as the crowd that followed Jesus into the city, praising him one day, crying out for his blood the next. 
It's because your heart, my heart, is crying out, who is this? And the good news is that Jesus, he comes, he comes to, to our hearts. He comes to our, our cities to transform them. As, as, as Isaiah 62 and, and verse 11 says, he comes to transform them, making us his holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. Because not only does he rock our world, but he brings us rest. Hallelujah. He is majestic. He has sovereignly ordered every event so that he might save his people. He is meek, riding a, a beast of burden because he has come to bear our burdens. He's mighty to save to the highest all who come to him since he laid down his life and had the power to take it up again because he has the power of an endless life. He's misunderstood, but he gives wisdom to all who seek, to all who ask, and he gives wisdom. The scripture tells us, I like the old, the, the old King James word where it says, he upbraideth not. That doesn't mean he puts a man bun on top of your head. No. That's not what he means, you know, but he doesn't, he doesn't chide you. He doesn't chide you for misunderstanding. He doesn't chide you because you don't, you don't get it yet. Oh, no, he gives wisdom, and he's multifaceted. So, yeah, you will never be bored of who Jesus is. You'll never, you'll never be bored since the scripture tells us at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. Hallelujah. And he rides, he rode into Jerusalem. He longs to ride into your life. I love that, that, that phrase in Isaiah 62, verse 12. Take a, take a look at that, Isaiah 62, 12, you know, and what it says there. Yeah, yeah, they should be called holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You should be called sought out. Who's seeking you? Christ. That's why he rides into the city. He's, you're sought out. And not only that, your city not forsaken. Not, he seeks you out, and when he finds you, he never leaves. Oh, thank the Lord. And this is all because he said he came not to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom for many. Brothers and sisters, you see that the triumphal entry was Jesus' victory march. What he's, what, he's doing in his, what he's doing in his triumphal entry is more important than anything in the past, anything in the, in the, that, that's happening at the present moment, anything that will happen in the future. Paul Tripp reminds us the final ride of humility and triumph on that borrowed colt was a ride to the city of his death. Every aspect was done with the generations of souls who would put their trust in him in mind. He rode to his death so that we would reign in life with him forever. He did what he did so that in a world made new again, we would sing Hosanna songs to him forever and ever and ever. Now, I told you last week, if you don't like singing, I don't know what you're going to do in heaven. 
And I don't know, I don't know how, you're going to, how you're going to enjoy heaven where, where people just burst out in the song at, 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 at any moment. Yeah, you're going to, you're, I mean, they'll sing and they'll praise the Lord. And, and, and the song was, who is this? Who is this? He is Jesus, our Savior. His victory is our victory. Hallelujah. Say it with me. Ride on, King Jesus. Ride on, King Jesus. Ride on. Amen. Let's pray. Indeed, Lord, we cry out from the depths of our hearts. Hosanna. Save us now. Deliver us, O oh Lord. You have given deliverance. And when you come again, Lord Jesus, the deliverance will be complete. You will make everything new. Lord, and all sin will be done. No more pain. No more crying. No more tears. No more death. But you, O oh Lord, will be forever with your people. Lord, hold this up before our faces in the times in which we live, that we may see you riding into our lives. O oh Lord, continue to rock our world for the glory of your name. For it's in your name we pray. Amen.